What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh, hanging out with you. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me on the social media that still exists in this world <laughs> at Amber W Sports. Joe and Amber is brought to you by Wendy's Two for Six Bucks, the best deal in fast food. Joe Fortenbaugh is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, Joe helps us on the Daily Wager and across all of our platforms, bringing you all sorts of betting analysis. There's no better place to do that in the world then of course las vegas nevada but there's also nowhere else to be in the world than las vegas this weekend because joe you live in the center of the universe this weekend or so it feels like you got the sweet 16 in vegas you've got a title fight this weekend in vegas you've got a taylor swift couple swifty concerts this weekend in vegas what am i missing oh right tomorrow night smackdown that yeah that's happening in vegas you should you should lead with the A1 story. They'll teach you that at some point down the line. Lead with the top part and then work your way down. But this is this is the weekend that this town is built upon. You get a handful of these throughout the course of the year where there's a convergence of several different events that come to town. Taylor Swift at Allegiant Stadium Friday and Saturday night. Tickets probably $10,000 a piece. David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. They're at the MGM Grand Garden Arena for a title fight that Saturday night. Same arena the night before WWE SmackDown. And we've got the Sweet 16 tonight over at T-Mobile. So you've got UConn and Arkansas followed by Gonzaga and UCLA, and then you've got an Elite Eight matchup on Saturday. It is incredible. They've got the F1 paddock being built and everything else that's taking place in this town. So it's one of the weekends that you live for. Meanwhile, I'm out here in suburbia. I'm talking to you, and I've got uh, six-year-old soccer practice after this. And so my life nothing- very, very different than what's happening about five miles away. There's nothing better uh, than being in suburbia and talking to me right now. That's what you meant to Love say. It. So I, I wonder, you are going to smack. Am I allowed to reveal that on air? I just did, so um, oh, too yeah. late. You're going to smack down tomorrow night. So that's the one of these events that you have chosen to attend. It got me thinking. like if People you know choose- I'm cool, so they could have probably already assumed that I was going yeah, to that. Like They know I'm a prequel. Sure. Sure, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so if you could only attend one of these events. Now, the SmackDown component of this involves your children. And they're really into it yes. with the wrestling because they're kids, which is who's supposed to be in, into wrestling, James Steele. Nevertheless, so that has a family component. But if it was just you in a vacuum without, without your kids, but also without any sort of conflicts, which of these events would you choose to go to? Would it still be SmackDown? Such a tough question. Such a tough question. If it, it, I, I, I've done, I was just at Money in the Bank earlier this year, so I feel like with things coming to, and I am going to WrestleMania next week, so wow. I've got a lot of wrestling going on. I just, you know, you know, very, I was very just thinking guy. how cool you are, and boy, <laughs> did you just get cooler. Very cool, just very cool. So I probably would pass on that, and I would probably hit up the Elite Eight game Saturday or the title fight. I, I have to, I can't stress this enough. If you have never done this in Las Vegas, and I insist that you and I are going to do this together, and I'd love it if James were out here too, if we get the whole team together, we have to do a title fight together in Las Vegas. But we have to do it the right way. We go out for cocktails. We get Mm -hmm. dressed up. We go have a very nice dinner. We make our way over. We rub shoulders with high society. We make a bet on the fight. We go to the fight, and then we roll some dice afterwards. 
You've got to do fight night in Las Vegas. So if you've never done it, put it at the top of your list. Benavidez plan is a very nice fight, but with the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 here in town, how do you pass that up? I mean, 20 years ago, it was taboo to think you could put sports in this town, let alone collegiate sports. And now we were supposed to have the national championship game here in January, but the Consumer Electronics Show had a conflict, and that's a massive conference that's out here. So because they wouldn't move, they had to move the conference championship game to Atlanta, which is where it was this past year. But between Sweet 16, college kickoff game, all this other stuff that's taking place, you're going to get a Final Four here. The view of Vegas is very, very different now than it used to be. Well, I was thinking what I would think to go to out of these events because this I have... This is going to be very interesting. I have done a title fight in Vegas. I okay. did Mayweather. May- Mayweather Alvina- uh, Alvarez when he fought Good Canelo one. Alvarez back in 2013. So I did that at the MGM. I did it right. Like crazy seats, all dressed up, the whole nine, the drinks, very rolling nice. the dice afterwards. So I did do all of that. It's one and of the that was coolest- a very expensive fight. Very expensive I want to make fight. it very clear that once again, Amber putting herself on the pedestal above you, the listener, and me, the co-host. I did just not to pay sure to go clear. to that fight. I had a mm-hmm. really nice hookup for that fight. Uh, anyways, so the point is that I've done that. I've had that experience in Vegas. Uh, that was an unbelievable experience. One of the coolest sporting events I've ever been to. I would kill to go to another a title fight like that in Vegas. So that would be hard for me to pass up because I just do think it's such a unique experience. But also, so is an Elite Eight. Yeah. Like, those would be the things. The thing is with Taylor Swift, and I keep seeing now these clips of her online because obviously all the mayhem around her concert, how hard it was to get tickets, the prices around these tickets. And then you hear her concerts like four hours long oh, because yeah. of how many songs she does. The length 44 of her set songs. List. Crazy. I mean, that's just unbelievable, which heck, I guess she's given the customer what they're signing up for when they spend all that money to go to a Taylor Swift concert. I don't, I'm not a Swifty. So I like I like some of her songs like off of her latest album. There's a couple bangers, uh, but I'm not a Swifty. Oh, I feel like feel like you gotta really like like 44 of her songs in order to go and to a concert. Although I've heard she puts on an unbelievably incredible show, and it looks like it yeah. from the clips I've seen online. It's supposed to be awesome. I, I just there's too much she's competing with there, and I've heard the acoustics at Allegiant. I haven't seen a show there yet. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are here next weekend. I could imagine that um, if the acoustics are a bit of an issue, then that could detract from it. But her show is supposed to be fantastic. Speaking of gambling, do you want to get some gambling into the show? I'm like cracking my knuckles over here thinking, should we give the people a little something tonight? Should well, we do a little pizza money action? Oh, I thought you were about to give us like some sort of Taylor Swift uh, betting. No, I know nothing about, I about that. <laughs> well, nothing. I don't know. Vegas could have weird odds. Like, is there some They'd crazy like, have something, when, yeah. is she going to fall <laughs> off the stage? You know, whatever, whatever they have. <laughs> going on there it's her second outfit gonna be red i'm sure you know knowing vegas they've probably done something with the taylor swift concert sure let's get to it let's do a little pizza money pizza money alert pizza pizza back in black in the words of acdc three and oh tuesday night plus three units overall 52 and 56 but plus 2.6 units two golf bets pending we'll keep you updated on that tonight we kick it off with right here in Las Vegas, UConn minus three and a half over Arkansas. Good story for Arkansas. They've acquitted themselves quite nicely so far in the tournament, but they have a problem closing out games. It's something head coach Eric Musselman has brought up multiple times this season. They're going up against a team that closes very, very well. 
UConn bashed Iona by 26 points in the second half of their opening round game. They crushed St. Mary's by 14 points in the second half of their round of 32 game. Incredibly well-balanced. Top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. UConn peaking at the right time. Huskies, minus 3.5 over the Razorbacks. This is a Boost Mobile Tournament preview. We are going to have several throughout the course of the show. We're going to be rolling out lots of action on tonight's games, tomorrow's games, and everything in between. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. The Sweet 16 did tip off Kansas State right now over Michigan State 30-26. to A few minutes left there in that game in the first half. We will continue to keep you updated on all of the live action tonight in this Sweet 16. You've got Arkansas-UConn coming up here in a few minutes. Florida Atlantic-Tennessee, Gonzaga-UCLA. Coming up next, though. We transition to the NFL because Bryce Young, he will be in the NFL shortly. He had his pro day today to try to show off for the NFL. Our team still concerned about his size. We'll get into that. This is ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Scouts have been busy the last couple days watching quarterbacks. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So yesterday, C.J. Stroud had his pro day. And then today, Bryce Young had his pro day. For C.J. Stroud's pro day, the Carolina Panthers, Joe, had 11 people 
11 people at Ohio State witnessing CJ throw footballs, run through drills, do the things that they do on the pro day. They also took him out to dinner. Then they moved to Tuscaloosa, that same group took Bryce Young out to dinner before his pro day, and also 11 of them watched Bryce Young's pro day. So certainly the Panthers, with the number one overall pick now, are doing their homework. There was a lot of other people there for, of course, these two top pro days doing their homework as well. Reportedly, that Panthers contingent is going to go to Kentucky next for Will Levis's pro day. So Carolina getting that work in, Joe. So it does feel... As if they made that trade with the Bears without knowing who they wanted to draft. It's bizarre to me. kind of surprising because if that's the case, what if you traded up and you started going through the interview process and you found things you, you didn't like in all these guys? I mean, I'm assuming they had to have known enough about at least a couple of them to say, all right, we're going to be confident one way or another. We just need to do more research. And that's what seems to be happening. The odds in Vegas continue to shift with the news. C.J. Stroud was around... A minus 150 favorite to go first overall before the pro day. There was the report from Schefter, and then you had Todd McShay saying he's hearing it's Bryce Young to Carolina. So that brought the price down to minus 150 for Stroud, which means risk 150 to win 100. He was the favorite. But after the pro day workout, it shot up to minus 300. So once again, a sizable favorite. Now, Young had the workout today. Nothing has changed. Nothing has been adjusted. And what's interesting about the Young workout is that in Indianapolis at the Combine, He made it very clear he wanted to weigh in, and he weighed in at like 204 pounds, which was a lot heavier than people expected, but he didn't work out. Now at his pro day, he's working out, but he's refusing to weigh in, which kind of leads you to believe he probably tried to put on some quick bulk, had a big breakfast, weighed in, ended that narrative, and then didn't want to do it again because he wanted to focus on his speed and his look and his athleticism, which is fine, but do you really think you're going to be able to trick the Panthers with that sort of tactic? Like, like, if you and I are sitting here knowing something suspicious, right. I'd have to imagine one of those 11 people from Carolina is onto it as well. Also, how much weight can you really, like, how much weight are we talking that's being adjusted from the combine to the pro day, right? And is that really moving the needle? Like, oh, he's 10 pounds heavier. I mean, I, I think if you're Carolina, you recognize, okay, he's a young dude and he can beef up a little bit in the league. But also, you have to keep that in perspective because overall, he's much smaller in stature than a C.J. Stroud. And then some of these other guys, and particularly a Will Levis, when you're considering those three guys, Will Levis will have his pro day in in, in uh, Lexington tomorrow. So I, I don't know what to make of the Panthers. I mean, maybe they're just crossing their T's and dotting their I's. I can't imagine you trade up to number one if you don't feel particularly good about any of those guys. So if you truly have no leanings, you know, it's like if you like everybody, you like nobody, right? Like if you're the master of there all trades go. and you're the expert of none or whatever. the And that I feel like that's a dumb thing to then trade away all of that draft capital and a receiver in order to move up to number one and not know who your guy is. And But what else is the point? I do know Todd McShay in his article, Breaking Down Bryce Young's Pro Day on ESPN.com, he says that he's hearing that they are leaning one direction and that maybe it's a smokescreen and they're kind of throwing off the competition. He says that that he's heard that Carolina is leaning towards taking Bryce Young at number one. I don't know well, what is the, what do you need the, the smokescreen for? You got the number one. number one. Yeah, who are you trying to trick? I don't know. God, 
I don't know. I mean, here, like, literally, this is Todd McShay. I've heard some buzz that Carolina likes Young at number one, but like I said, Wednesday, the Panthers are going to put out a lot of smoke screens to keep the competition off the scent. All right, so I can understand that. You don't want to do anyone any favors. You know, if you, you're not going to sit there and make the announcement of who it is because then Houston can key up, and then a lot of other teams can start to figure out whether or not they want to trade. You would no, be what, doing them a favor with that but, information. But really, what does it matter? Like, what does it matter to you? Why? Like, why are you flying 11 people all around the country and wasting, like, the, the general manager and the coach and everybody who's important in this organization – why are you wasting everybody's time? Like what it just to just so nobody else can have the information to be helpful to them. Like it doesn't hurt you that that would help them, you know? No, I don't think I just don't think they're 100% decided. I my thought process was that if you're going to trade up and give up that kind of haul, you know who you want. But then what ends up happening is they're doing all of this due diligence now, which leads me to believe you don't need 11 guys to go to every single quarterback workout to throw people off the scent. Six guys will do. Six guys will be enough to get people convinced that you're bought in. So I think they know they want a quarterback. They need a quarterback. Owner Dave Tepper, since he's been there, has not had a quarterback. I don't think he's happy with the situation. I think the organization has decided with a new head coach and everything in between, they are getting a quarterback this year. We're going to one. We're getting a QB. We'll figure it out later. Now they're there. Now they're figuring it out. I still think it's Stroud, but it will be interesting to see if somehow Bryce Young takes over. The odds, they don't lie. Oftentimes they don't lie, and Stroud is a sizable favorite, and he's been one for a couple weeks now. So according to Todd McShay's evaluation on ESPN.com of these pro days, he says that Bryce Young had a clean delivery, anticipatory throws. He said the scouts want to see ball velocity and arm strength. They were able to see that with Bryce Young's pro day, that he had some energy with his throws, so any lingering concerns about the shoulder issue that Young dealt with during the season appear well behind him. In terms of C.J. Stroud's uh, pro day, he said that it was a clinic in ball placement, that it basically, you know, the smooth delivery, the arm strength, fitting the ball into the windows, all the things that we see on tape are the things that you saw in C.J. Stroud's pro day. Here's the thing about pro days. Like... Like, like I'd look good at my pro day, you know, like I, I can't throw a football. Like what? it's just, it's such, it's an environment that is perfectly suited to make these guys look as good as possible. Of course, these guys, when they're at this level of program and when you're considering them for the number one overall draft pick, of course, they look good throwing in that environment. Darn near anybody who'd played quarterback at a power at a power five would look good throwing in that environment. I think that's only part of the equation. You're right about all this. You're, you are set up to succeed as a player, but I think ultimately it's also about coming into town, the ownership groups, the front offices, the coaching staffs, they get to meet with you. They get to sit down. They get to go out to dinner. There are a lot of dinners that take place with this. You don't have time to do that in Indianapolis. So this is where you generally have that opportunity to get to know people a little bit more. And that part of the process is very important. Getting the guy up on the whiteboard so you can see if he understands offensive concepts in the NFL, route running, audibles, offensive pro-style systems, things of that nature. You want to get him on the board. You want to take him out to dinner. You want to see how he behaves. You want to get to just know him a little bit. So I think that's just as big, if not bigger, than the actual workouts that are taking place. The Bryce Young thing is all about his weight. The rumors are that he's somewhere naturally in the 180s. So given his height and weighing somewhere in the 180s, quarterbacks taking shots at that size, tough to shake guys off. Easier to get hurt in the eyes of many. 
Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so that you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Not many mistakes from either of these guys at their pro day, as you can as you can imagine. Bryce Young had a couple balls hit the dirt. C.J. Stroud, apparently, a couple of uh, passes uh, were, were not thrown particularly well when he was rolling out to his left. But again, these guys, insulated environment. They are set up for success on their pro days. Kansas State right now up over Michigan State 43-38. to Coming up next, we're going to talk some hoops, but we're going to talk NBA. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Let's get to it. The sound that we've missed from the day. They said it. But what do they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. There was a controversy at the end of last night's Warriors-Mavericks game when confusion over who had possession of the ball coming out of a timeout with 156 left in the game led to an uncontested Kayvon Looney dunk. Golden State won the game. By the way, by two points, 127 to 125. Here's Jason Kidd on his perspective of what happened. It wasn't really explained. I think there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people were out of position. The court was split. We're on one side and the Warriors on another. And you have uh, a referee on the baseline. Mike was on the baseline. So I would assume Mike thought it was our ball too. If there's confusion, it's easy to just come in and blow the whistle and, and get us restarted. It's correctable, um, but you first have to admit there was a mistake. I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but he, the ref... He motioned for Warriors ball initially. So he did do that. 
But then he immediately motioned for Mavericks timeout because it was an automatic timeout for the Mavericks in that scenario. And that confused people, including the in arena announcer who thought that the ref was correcting the, the other motion saying, Oh no, no, wait, it's not warriors ball. It's Mavericks ball. So they go into the timeout thinking that it's Mavericks ball. Apparently the guy over the PA system in the arena says Mavericks ball, Dallas's ball. And then they come back on, on the court. Mavericks c- clearly don't contest the shot whatsoever. But also, it was bizarre because none of the Mavericks players were down there to get the ball if they, in fact, thought it was their ball. It was like this really weird thing. It did appear one of the officials even thought that it would have been Mavericks ball based on where that official was standing on the baseline. A really, really weird situation. We bring in our producer, James Steele, to help out this segment. What's up, James? Yeah, uh, so Joe, Mark Cuban is going to file a protest uh, about the loss. Uh, this is just one more case, and seemingly a lot this year, where teams have been angry at officiating. Have refs been worse this year, or have players, coaches, and owners in this case just been more vocal about it? It feels like they're being very vocal this year because I don't think the penalties for speaking out or having problems are all that harsh. So why not continue to call out the officiating if you have a problem with it? By the way, we are, and this isn't just the NBA, this is everybody. We're a nation of complainers. We complain about everything. So it's not a surprise to see more complaining in the NBA, more complaining in the NFL, more complaining everywhere. This is a situation that never had to happen. That is the entire point of having officials to keep the game organized because the players and the coaches are focusing on how to win. So the officials need to know whose ball it is, where everyone needs to get lined up. If people are lined up out of place, don't, you don't need to give Golden State a strategic advantage there by just saying, well, you know, it's Dallas's fault. They're not down here. Do you think Dallas is intentionally being lazy? They're fighting for a playoff spot, for crying out loud. They're the ninth seed in the West. They want to win that game. It's very important to them. So if they're lined up down there, there's clearly some confusion on behalf of the officials. Get it organized. Get everyone set up. And if you make a mistake, fine. Blow the whistle. Admit the mistake. People will move on. Don't just allow it to snowball into this, which is just ridiculous. I agree to that to only a certain extent, though, because I don't think it's the officials' jobs to tell the players how to do their jobs, right? I mean, these are professionals on the court, so they are supposed to be aware of whose ball it is. When the initial call was correct, now I do think that it looked weird. You quite literally had one team on one half of the floor and the other team on the other half of the floor, and it had to indicate to the officials there's some sort of communication problem here. That being said, the one thing that I can't get over about this, though, is if Dallas thought it was their ball... Why the heck is there not a single player trying to go get the ball to inbound it? Like, if it's your ball, you got to have somebody inbound the ball. Like, where, where are you guys? Go get the ball from the official. That's what seemed odd about it to me. Clearly, though, a lot of miscommunication. We'll see what happens with Mark Cuban contesting that. Those things are never normally successful. I do think that officiating in the NBA has been a topic for many, many years. It does feel like this season players are being more vocal about it. You had Anthony Davis talking about how officials should get fined, like how they get fined. They should get fined for missing calls. Of course, you know, officials make a little less money than AD. Uh, You had Fred Van Vliet uh, get fined $30,000 recently uh, for going after the officials he said when he was making the comments I'm gonna take the fine who cares turns out that the official with Van Vliet did end up getting 
from what I understand, some disciplinary action from the league. So it seems like Van Vliet might have been on to something there with some of those fouls against him from one particular official. The weird thing is about how the NBA handles their officials is there's just no transparency. And I think that probably bothers the players so much. Like we know when a player does something wrong, it's very, very public. We know even on the court when a player does something wrong or when a player's fined like Van Vliet, we don't know when officials are reprimanded. They are disciplined and they are reprimanded and they are rewarded when they do a good job. It's all very hush hush and we know nothing about it. And I do wonder if there was just more transparency on that front, if that would help move things along. It's a very difficult sport to officiate. I think that that is the truth of it at the end of the day, that it is just very, very hard to get it right. Zion Williamson has missed all but 29 games this season. Uh, story as old as time and has only played in 114 total games in his three-year NBA career. Kendrick Perkins thinks that it's time that the Pels move on from Zion. If I'm the Pelicans, at what point do I really sit down at the table and say, is this a guy that I could rely on for my future to have as my franchise superstar guy? And if you're not concerned, then you're lying to yourself. And so when I said it yesterday, yes, I would consider trading Zion. You have Brandon Ingram. You have C.J. McCullough. You have Murphy. You have uh, the kid Jackson Hayes, who I believe is going to have a bright future, and they're going to continue to build. Yes, they're going through growing pains, but at what point do you really evaluate can you build around Zion, and is he going to be reliable? Amber. Should the Pelicans trade Zion Williamson? Uh, I thought that they should consider doing that before the extension, the monster extension that they handed him, right? And everybody was like, well, you have to pay Zion on that. I'm like, do you? This guy hasn't played basketball. It is such a predicament for the Pelicans because they drafted right in terms of talent. He is the most talented player coming out of that draft in the small snippets that we've seen. They just did not draft right in terms of availability. And we know, I mean, it is so cliche in sports, but it is just true. If you ain't available, then you don't have any sort of ability that you can offer your team. Zion Williamson is a real, real problem. It's a career that never, that might never live up to the hype, Joe, because as talented as that guy is, if he's not going to be out there, then you can't build a team around him. And right now, and it's a weird time to say it because of everything around John Morant, but right now the Grizzlies have, have won that draft, is it a drafting in the number two position because John Morant, even though in the small snippets, again, that we've seen, you could argue Zion's the better player. John Morant overall has been more helpful to his team. I'd want to trade him, but you can't do it now because his his price tag is going to just be so low in order to get someone to give you something that's worth it. He only played 29 games this year, and he missed all of last season. So we've seen so little from him. You're going to get, what, dimes on the dollar in a trade for Zion Williamson? I'd want to build him back up. I'd want him to be in shape. I'd want him to play well, and then I'd want to unload him. He doesn't play enough games. When he does play, he's fantastic. But what can you really do building around a guy that's never out there? If you're building a team around this guy and the team is predicated on his participation in games and he can't get on the court, you're going to have a pretty busted up team. I try to move him and I try to build a team with guys who are actually going to be on the floor contributing. Zion's great when he plays. He just doesn't play enough. 
Uh, yeah, he doesn't play enough. Uh, it makes me honestly, it's 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 like a sad story so far. And I have a Zion Williamson. Nobody can see it, but you guys. I mean, I quite literally have a Zion Williamson jersey hanging behind me right now on our Zoom. I wanted Zion to pan out. I'm just not sure that he's actually going to pan out. John Morant returned to the court after an eight-game suspension last night. Speaking of John Morant and that 2019 draft, he came off the bench and scored 17 points in the Grizzlies' 130-125 win over the Rockets. But this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, J. Williams said that the league missed the boat on Jaw's punishment. I do believe the NBA missed the mark on his suspension. I thought he should have been suspended for the rest of the regular season without pay, and his return should have been subject to successful counseling from the NBA. I think whenever you involve guns and alcohol and all this other stuff, I think there's a high standard that needs to be set in the bar that needs to be set around the league and setting that kind of example. And now come back and play in the playoffs, but I thought the punishment was a little bit too lenient. So Joe, jaw is back, but is it too soon? I, I see where Jay Will's coming from, but there's a union. How much can you really hand down as a punishment before the union gets involved and gets it mitigated? Like, you'd love to come out and say, we're going to send a message, you're out for a year, and then the union gets involved and is like, yeah, that's not how this works in terms of precedent. Then it goes to arbitration, then it's argued, then it just gets drawn out in the press. And when you have these things happen, the NBA wants to move on from them as quickly as possible. So, yes, I agree with Jay Will in the sense that it should have been longer. I just don't know if it could have been longer, if that makes any sense, Amber. Yeah, I totally agree with you. There is a union that would absolutely be advocating for the player. I think saying the rest of the regular season sounds like longer than it is, right? Because we are at the, towards the end here of the regular season. So I understand what Jay Will is saying by suggesting that. But then also not letting him come back for the playoffs and requiring this counseling or requiring the NBA. And the NBA would hold all the power there where they're deciding whether you mentally, from a mental health perspective, are cleared enough to play. Like that really bothers me when I think about the player side of that from the power side of the NBA. If I am the uh, NBA PA, I would never allow the NBA to have that kind of power, like the that kind of power over my mental health, where now they're d- dictators of that, essentially. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love that suggestion there by Jay Will. I don't know what the appropriate amount of time is, frankly. We do know that the NBA did an investigation into the incident that he was being suspended for, which was the incident on his own Instagram live where he's waving the gun at the camera. And he apparently didn't do anything illegal, according to the NBA. They couldn't find any evidence that it was his gun, that he traveled with the gun, that he brought it into an NBA facility or on an NBA team plane or any of those things. And he wasn't doing anything illegal in the state that he was in, in that gentleman's club. So. Your hands are a bit tied if there's no illegal activity, right? And there's only so long that you would probably want to make that suspension so that you're not fighting with the NBA PA. UConn leads Arkansas right now 34-17 to 17 in the Butt Sweet kicking. 16. We will continue to keep you updated on everything March Madness. Coming up next, the New York Jets are making moves. Not the move that we've all been waiting for them to make, but they've made a move. So we'll get into the Jets. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jets are making moves. I mean, not the move. All right, everybody calm down. But it's, it's right. moves nonetheless, and maybe, maybe they're about to make another one. We'll get into what's happening with the Jets. I have never done more Jet segments in my entire life than I have done <laughs> over the last month on air here on Joe and Amber. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Before we get into the Jets, though, let's try to make you a little bit more money, honey. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Tip time, 9 o'clock Eastern. It's FAU in Tennessee. The bet is FAU plus 5 over Tennessee. Everybody likes Tennessee now. It's amazing how this swung. Everybody was down on Tennessee at the end of the season. They were too inconsistent. Everybody called Rick Barnes, the head coach, a fraud. They pointed to his ATS record in the tournament, and they bet against him. Then he went out and beat Big Bad Duke in an upset, which was the team everybody loved in the East region. So now because of that, everyone is jumping all over Tennessee as the favorite in the region and backing them to win here. Zig, when everybody else is zagging. Take FAU plus the points. Tennessee is overvalued in this matchup. KenPalm.com loves Tennessee this season, and even he has this as volunteers minus four. The value is that FAU loves to launch threes. They make a lot of threes. That's the key because Missouri beat Tennessee twice this season, and that's the same profile. Launching a lot of threes, making a lot of threes. Pizza money number two, FAU plus five over Tennessee. I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Do you envision yourself playing multiple years with the Jets or is it just a one-year type thing? Be adults, settle it clearly, keep the kids in mind, and move on. So no, the Jets have not made that move. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is not yet the quarterback of the New York Jets. Now pay attention. Joe and Amber, Aaron Rodgers watch. Said the name. It's been a while since I you had one of those. Said Connor. the name. Got well me. I, I Every well time done. I should be ready for it, and I am not. So, yes, we are still on Aaron Rodgers' watch. That's the long and the short of it. They maybe made a move, though, that will help them eventually make the move, so to speak. They traded away Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns. Elijah Moore is finally free, Joe, because goodness knows Elijah Moore wanted to be free, and he's wanted to free free since he requested a trade back in October, which is just ridiculous for a player of his caliber. Nevertheless, Elijah Moore now is in Cleveland. He is a Cleveland Brown. He is saying that he is learning from his mistakes, that he's in Cleveland for a reason, that he's going to do better there and do some things differently. The New York Jets sent more and a 2023 third round pick to the Browns in exchange for a second round pick. So now the Jets have two second round picks, number 42 and 43, that they could try to use as ammunition with the Green Bay Packers to get the trade done. That was what it feels like. I mean, this divorce was written in the sand a long time ago anyways with Elijah Moore, but them waiting and, and doing it here feels like they're gearing up to try to get 
past whatever the negotiation stall is right now with the Green Bay Packers. They're also pretty solid at wide receiver. They drafted Garrett Wilson last year as the Offensive Rookie of the Year. They just brought in Alan Lazard, Rodgers' buddy from Green Bay. They signed Mecole Hardman, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. Corey Davis is still on the roster. Denzel Mims is still on the roster. The list goes on and on. So they were able to make the move. They bring in a second-round pick. Fantastic. Whether or not it's for Rodgers remains to be seen. I'm surprised we went well over a week here with literally no updates on the Rodgers front. Like, isn't it surprising to you? Like, he made his intentions known, and everyone involved was kind of like, all right, thanks. Yeah. We'll handle it from here. And nothing's getting done, it looks like. It's funny to me because I keep reading conflicting opinions, too, about who has the power in this situation. And a lot of people are like, well, other teams aren't going to try to trade for Rodgers now because they know he wants to play for the Jets. And I don't know if, you know, I'm not sure Rodgers was saying, like, that's the only franchise in the world that I, like, I grew up wanting to play for the New York Jets my whole life. I didn't get that sense from what Rodgers said, but it seems like they're so far along in their negotiations that, yeah, other teams probably aren't in the mix. And if other teams aren't in the mix, then I guess what's the rush? I mean, I know there's this cap hit thing and the money that Green Bay owes Aaron, but it's not here yet. And so I don't know if they're in a rush to get it done this week, like it feels like to us, we got this big announcement from Rogers on McAfee, but those organizations have known that. And this has been in the works and these talks have been happening. So I guess they're just trying to get to the place that they're comfortable being at. We're what? 34, 35 days from the start of the NFL draft. I mean, it's probably 35 because I think we're sitting right on a Thursday, which is when it kicks off. So it's got to get done before then. You'd have to imagine. Nobody's going to want this to trickle past the draft because you got to know what your needs are going into the draft. You have to know what your draft capital is. You have to have everything organized because this is the last time you're going to make any moves before you get ready to head into OTAs, the break, and then eventually training camp. So it's got to get done at some point if it's going to get done at all. I don't know how anyone goes back on this, but you let a week or two go by, everyone cools down. Maybe something can develop. I find it fascinating that the Jets are consistently in the news. All Ezekiel Elliott, former mm-hmm. Cowboy running back with his preferred destinations list. This is one thing I love, by the way, when these guys release their lists of, hey, by the way, I know nobody asked, but here's where I'd like to play. The Eagles, who just won the NFC. The Bengals, who were in the Super Bowl a year ago. The Jets, <laughs> Jets. who, by the way are going to be getting Aaron Rodgers, or at least think they will. That's his list. You notice he didn't put Houston on there, and he didn't put any of the rebuilding teams. The Bears aren't on there. You know, the Packers aren't on there. It's it's nice to see. I don't don't know who's going to be interested, but there's going to be more value in him now than there was last year because it's not going to cost a whole lot. He has narrowed down his list, Ezekiel Elliott. So Eagles, Jets, Bengals. I don't know if any of those teams are takers. I guess we will find out. He has also put out that he wants his number 15 back that he wore at Ohio State. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. So Ezekiel Elliott out here with the demand. We will see if those come true. We are in the midst of Sweet 16 action. Coming up next, we will get you up to date on all things March Madness. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.